Hi, folks. Welcome, and thanks for joining us on The Cream of the Crop, a podcast dedicated to agriculture. We talk to top leaders, share top ideas, and discuss top trends and products. We get to the heart of ag and put the issues on the table. Hi, folks, and welcome. This is Justin Machel. Uh, co-host joined by Steve Maxwell, CEO of Highland Ag Solutions, and Susie Friedland, our producer. Uh, we've got a great show lined up today. We're going to continue the narrative on fresh produce uh, and uh, effects of the the virus and and uh, how that uh, how our farmers are facing that and dealing with it and uh, and consumers. What you can do uh, to help the farmers and local economy as the uh, as the economy gets kick started again. Uh, we have a special guest lined up today. Day. I'd uh, love to introduce him. He's uh, Wade Purvis. He's farmer and owner of Purvis Farms down in Immokalee, Florida. Uh, Wade, welcome to the show today. We're, uh, we're glad to have you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, if you could tell us uh, just uh, briefly your history, your background in the produce industry, and uh, in, in, uh, leading up to where you are today, I, I understand you grow you know, about 3,000 acres of beans and, and watermelons down there in South Florida. If you can just give our listeners a, a background of, of uh, where you've come from in the industry. Sure. I've, uh, well, fourth generation Floridian, originally from a plant city area, migrated down to Immokalee back in the, uh, the mid 80s. Uh, been down here uh, growing assorted vegetables of all kinds since, since then. And uh, like you said, I've got, uh, you know, upwards of all kinds of beans green beans, lima beans, peas, all kind of legumes up around 3,000 acres with, in, with a few watermelons on the on the end so uh, got a lot going on down here and uh, and uh, South Florida also uh, associated our marketing in we put together me when I say we me and uh, several other growers have uh, seen the need to kind of pool our resources and and uh, put together a marketing organization called Farmers Alliance in which we're uh, we're connected with product that's grown and crops that are grown in um, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, basically takes us into uh, practically year-round production. And I was going to hit on that. You can you can grow year-round just uh, resourcing and staging the, the farms and product from Florida, South Florida all the way up into North Carolina and then back again, right? It kind of follows the follows the uh, the spring and summer crop up and then uh, in the fall all the way back down to, to South Florida. So you guys, as a collective network, can provide fresh vegetables to your customers year-round then. That's correct. Try to keep a consistent supply where it, uh, you know, it looks the same 52 weeks a year. Well, Wade, talk to us about uh, about the effects uh, of this virus. Uh, you know, the, the country has come to a, a screeching halt here in the last couple of weeks. How has that impacted you, you know, with this year-round supply? You guys are always producing. Uh, there's there's a lot at the, a lot of stake at the table here. Uh, how has that impacted you, your operations, and then uh, the Farmers Alliance as a whole? You know, it's, uh, it's been interesting in a couple aspects. Uh, short-term there was a huge pendulum shift from product that was going to food service industries that were supplying, uh, you know, hospitals, restaurants, uh, schools, that kind of thing. If uh, those those businesses practically have gone away, the chain business, chain store business, actually surged, took a big surge last week, but now has begun to backlash and back up 
and it's beginning to go away. And I think it's a uh, largely a function if you if you stand back and look at it, you know, people are nobody's working, and uh, what's happening is, you know, that without a paycheck, uh, they're making decisions on what's essential and what's luxury items at the grocery store, and. Unfortunately, I think uh, a lot of fresh vegetables are perceived as being a luxury item when it comes to um, in terms of um, other options. And um, so we're seeing a, a back up there. I'm, I'm sitting here with uh, considerable of acreage that's out in the field to be picking. You know, we should be coming up on our Easter pull, which is usually one of our biggest holidays of the year. We're probably not going to see that. I'm um, basically diverting some of this volume to canneries and uh, literally disking up acreage because there's just nowhere to go with it. Uh, short term, the uh, the powers that be have uh, made some adjustments in the labor situation, the, the labor that has that is crossing the border through uh, H-2A programs and the like. Um, they're continuing to cross uh, a number of people uh, primarily, it's people that have been through the system before and checked out. There's a screening process uh, from the health standpoint that they're going through, but that's short term. It's, uh, it's it's seemingly working. Uh, the challenge has been here is uh, stepping up uh, the already existing uh, uh, hygiene program that are in place through our food safety programs, trying to make sure everybody stays healthy. Um, you see a um, you see a situation whereas uh, one of these people that are on our cruise, if they become sick, they're living close proximity with uh, dozens of people, which the, our whole crew could be on quarantine and would put us completely out of business. What percentage of your labor is the the H two A that you talked about? Is that the majority of your labor, or do you also use domestic workers? What how does that uh, how does that line up for you guys? Well, now we've got some domestic workers. Percentage wise, we're looking at about eighty percent is H two A. All our um, you know all our watermelon crews are, are are picking tomatoes, watermelons, pepper, squash right now are. are, are primarily H2A people. Packing house people is primarily domestic people. Okay. And part of that program under H2A, uh, you are responsible for housing and transportation. Yep. And, and then there's there's certain rules and restrictions. There's there's really stringent uh, food safety uh, policies and procedures in place for these folks. Yep. So you guys are going above and beyond right now, even at the housing level and transportation mm-hmm. level, uh, to ensure that that uh, items and, and tools and, and housing is sanitized it's it's safe you're educating these people on uh on health and hygiene washing their hands trying to take care of it because at the end of the day if those folks get sick at the housing uh then all your food safety you know procedures at the farm are irrelevant at that point right because you don't have workers to come uh, out to the field so can you talk about what what you guys do uh, uh as far as your food safety procedures and policies and how you you work with these folks that uh, uh that are on your farm day to day Exactly. Yeah, we uh, through our normal food safety program, there's uh, you know all kind of procedures and everything are in place, which involve uh, hand washing, uh, you know, clothes washing, uh, personal hygiene training of all kinds, and then and then it's followed up on. It's it's checked uh, and and uh, basically there's some there's some teeth to it. And, ba- and what we have done is we have uh, stepped all those up in every measure to the extent we can. Uh, you know, hand washing stations are you know 
putting more of them in place, uh, hand sanitizing operations, putting them in more place. Anytime we can separate people uh, from the, each other in the workplace, uh, we're, we're doing that. Um, we have we have locked down all the um, packing houses and different things where you know no outside people come in and out and um, cleaning the housing. Uh, we we've actually uh, there's there's uh, some cooperation with some of the big food service people around that are actually uh, instead of these people having to get on a bus which is close confined quarters and drive into a supermarket. You know, uh, some of these food service people, Cheney Brothers and the like, are actually delivering food to the labor camps by order to help in that regard. So there's a lot of effort going out into making this thing right. That's fantastic. And at the end of the day, you're trying to produce a safe food that, that the American consumer can have confidence in. And uh, yes. it's unfortunate that the, the food service industry is shut down. We, we understand, you know, why restaurants aren't open and or they, they are open to an extent. Right. I mean, drive <laughs> yeah. through and, and, and curbside takeout. But but the volume is just it's not there. Right. A lot of folks are staying in. And, and you mentioned that uh, that folks aren't buying as much fresh produce. They're buying uh, more canned goods. Um, you know what? Tell us about that. What what's the difference in your world? You know, you got a lot of acreage. You're growing a lot of beans. Um, well, you know, for the consumers, educate them, and how much of that goes towards a fresh, uh, a pack versus a process, maybe cannery and and uh, whatever else it might go into. Yeah, my operation is basically 100 percent fresh. In the in the unfortunate situation like this, I do have an outlet to push some to the cannery, in, in which. What that what that really entails is when I send it to the cannery, I get about uh, half of my growing costs back. Uh, so it's not a good thing when I'm going to the cannery. The fresh side is a totally different uh, growing uh, situation. Whereas, you know these these uh, these the, the food safety programs, uh, everything is is in place. The packing programs, the grading the grading programs, the uh, and of course, going with fresh versus cans. Uh, there's uh, there's a lot of differences. I mean, there's a lot of additives in a can of beans, uh, none of which will kill you. But um, you know, there's uh, there's some health uh, benefits from cooking them yourself, fresh fresh green beans versus processed food. Well, this is Steve. I had a question to go back to hey, the marketing Steve. situation. How you doing today? Great. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, you know, you, you, I know you're, you, you're planning schedules 52 weeks out of the year. Apparently, you know, we, we we're in the middle of a hiccup here because of the uh, demand. And if you think about it, roughly, probably 50% of our nation ate out, yep. uh, out at some sort of restaurant. And that has been minimized. Yep. Those people went to the retail. That's the big surge at retail right. and retail's done a great job of handling that surge. I'm hearing now that that surge is backed off. Right. It's reflecting in your markets. So what you're doing right now that you've got two, three, four weeks here, depending on when we crank back up, you are trying to minimize the loss really is what I've heard you say, because your cost for going to cannery is only going to recoup half of your actual cost. Correct. Right. 
Right. It's damage control. The exactly. damage control. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, what do you see? Are you hearing anybody out there talking about, I mean, the president's mentioning trying to get back things. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight, but easing back into real life, uh, or normal life, maybe around the Easter window. But are you still going to be growing beyond that window? Because what I do see is the same restaurants that when they open up, they've got to have replenishment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, will you still be alive and well during that window if it, it does happen mid-April? I'll still have product. I will have walked by a lot of acres, but I will still have some product there to capitalize on it uh, if, if it does turn around that quick. And you're exactly right. You know, what we call the pipeline, you know, the whole system going all the way through the distribution centers out to the, to the chains and out to that pipeline is empty. So when it, if it, when the engine cranks back up, there's going to be a, even if there's a backlash later down the road, there will be a huge demand or a huge surge in product being filling up that pipeline to try to get it out to the to the public. But uh, that may come for the Immokalee slot may come a little bit late. But my big surge is coming uh, basically this Easter push. I got a little bit of a, a Mother's Day push. Or Mother's Day's late for Immokalee. Basically, we have. Uh, You'd be sourcing beans from North Florida, South Georgia, during the Mother's Day push. So Easter's really it for us. So I'm going to I'm going to probably miss it in this slot, but I'll still have some beans. But uh, I'll be over my volume. Why is there a Mother's Day push? <laughs> Explain that to me. <laughs> Mother's, <laughs> Mother's Day has always been a bean. Not when I when I say a push, nothing like Thanksgiving or right. even nothing like Easter has been. But uh, there is uh, uh, there is a uh, uh, push on all kind of fresh vegetables for the Mother's Day. I guess uh, even though it's Mother's Day, mothers have to stay home and cook still. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> making green bean casseroles. Right. Or restaurants, <laughs> right? Green bean casserole. Yeah. Restaurants. Well, people gather. It's a gathering time. Yeah. A lot of that could be going to the food service, which are going to restaurants where people are going out to eat. That's a good point. That's a great point. Around around the holidays, the, the food demand surges. Uh, folks are gathering with families and and uh, and they cook. They you know they use a lot of fresh vegetables and and it's yep. usually yep. a good good time for uh, for produce farmers to uh, to to get a return on their investment uh, during that time. Right. And so what we're seeing now, Justin, is especially on social media, is everybody's in isolation. So they're starting to break out the crock pot and they're starting to break out yep. their instant <laughs> pot and they're they're saying, is produce okay to eat? And farmers are saying, yes, put it in your Instacart. Or when you go to Publix, go grab it and cook or learn to cook. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's a, well, that's a great point. And, and Wade, what, what, can, uh, what can you tell our consumers? Uh, we want to boil this down to a, a couple of takeaways, right? So how can they help you? How can they help the American farmers in this economy? What are certain things? They, they believe the message, right? Okay, I, you guys are taking uh, all this uh, effort uh, into food safety. I believe the, the food is safe. What can they do uh, to support you guys in this economy? Yeah, it's, it's simply uh, look for um, American grown produce. Um, and you don't have to, you don't have to buy them, uh, just a super abundant amount. Just buy what you need and uh, always wash your produce before you eat it, of course. But understand, we have gone through, um, we have done great measures to try to ensure that those things are in very, very uh, safe and um, healthy, good to eat. And uh, but support the support the American uh, produce, and that will that will go a long ways for everybody to ensure it stays on the shelf. 
and not to mention once retail or once restaurants open back up, go to the local restaurants uh, because that's that food service industry that you talked about that's absolutely stopped right now. So when when we get the green light, when we can go back and, and visit our favorite restaurants, uh, folks, go out and, and support the local ones, the guys that, that are buying from from uh, all these food service industries that, that buy from, from Wade Purvis uh, and from several other growers across the country because that will kickstart uh, that pipe, as you said, the pipeline and uh, and it'll support these local growers. So not only buy American in the grocery store, but go support the local restaurants uh, in your neighborhood, and uh, it'll benefit everybody at that point, right? Absolutely. Wait, uh, before we start wrapping up here, I, I would like you to spend a little time. I know you and I have known each other for a long time. Uh, matter mm-hmm. of fact, you got my start in produce back in the, uh, I guess, early 90s yeah. uh, down in Immokalee, Florida, working yeah. in a potato shed that you were actually growing potatoes. Yeah. We were running through that shed. But you have seen a lot of changes in Immokalee. That South Florida region, Homestead, Immokalee, even up here around Tampa area, has gone through tremendous change uh, since those 90s and the first NAFTA was passed. Can you kind of get a synop- give us, a, just the consumer, a, a feel for what has happened in, uh, in, 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 these, in this trade agreement um, and how it's affected uh, your town there and uh, – your operations? Yes, I, uh, it's, it's been a, it just in my tenure, which has been so, just a little over 30 years, you know, we're, came to Immokalee basically when Mexico was, uh, operating as a third world country. They had product coming over the border, but it was, uh, their post harvest, uh, equipment was not that good. Their quality wasn't that good. They were just, they were just there. Um, and, and, Consequently, Homestead, places like Homestead and Mockley was was thriving. Well, through the through the uh, late eighties, early nineties, thing called NAFTA came along. Basically, a lot of American money went down there. We saw the technology, uh, most up to date technology, most up to date post harvest traveled to Mexico and basically put them on the map, put them in business. And uh, and these were Amer- American companies doing that. For the most yeah, part. it was American yeah. money. Every yeah. every little village you went to down there had a brand new USAID office in it, and yeah. uh, so it, that and it and it was a function of you know they got an economy that's got to thrive too. So the thought was you know it was, it was probably a good thought, but the, the unintended consequences of it is basically it it really put pressure on the domestic growers and. Um, and put a lot of us out of business. I mean, there was, when I came down here, there's probably 60, 70 farmers in a Mockley. Now I'm one of maybe three. Um, the other ones are huge conglomerates, but uh, as far as individual farmers have, have pretty much gone away. The, uh, one of the interesting things too, and it's, and it was why we have put together this, uh, arrangement with farmers alliances. It's not necessarily the consumer anymore. That's, that's making the decision. The chain stores are have all consolidated and gotten bigger, so their buying operations have all consolidated and gotten bigger. And there's been a tier of marketers that has developed between me and the chain stores that basically are um, filling a lot of the needs for those guys to operate um, in a certain way. So the retailer that you you're not necessarily selling direct to retailer. You've got a marketer between you and the retailer. Right. I've got, yes, I've got some business going straight to retail, but a lot of it goes to that, that 
tier between me and the retailer. Generally speaking, retail goes to that marketer and says, I need you to keep me supplied in whatever product yep. 24, I mean, 12 months out of the year. Yep. So that retailer then has to make its move. I mean, that uh, marketer has to make their move to make sure they can do that. So it's kind of a catch 22, right? That's right. He's forced them into a corner and they basically work on a contract price. So that guy, that middleman goes out and he works me anamically against Mexico to try to get it the cheapest. You know, he's, he's got an insured to get it all winter long. He's got two places to source from if one has a problem, but he really beats on that FOB, turns around and sells it on the open market. So the consumers in, in effect paying more and they, they're forced to eat uh, or have only a choice of Mexican product. If it's a better deal for the middleman, more so than, than uh, what the, the chain necessarily wants or the consumer necessarily wants. Now that's being brought to their, a lot of people's attention. Now I think it's uh, beginning to change, but that awareness has got to be, got to be, uh, continued to, uh, uh, kindled. And I think it's uh, the consumer has the voice and the consumer needs to say, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that the, the Mexican product's poisonous. What I'm saying is, you know what you got coming from here. What when you buy something comes from here, there's money that stays in here. I pay the fertilizer guy, I pay the the hardware guy. You know, all that money stays here in the states. When it goes to the uh, to a, a, across the border, there's all kind of things that I can say about where all that money goes. But uh, it's just not a legitimate fair playing field. So if if you're shopping in the store if you're a consumer the only thing you can do is request to the produce manager hey i'd like to see more is that what you're That's saying right. okay yep absolutely take any opportunity that you can to make it known because uh, they are listening right now they are because of what's happened in the last couple of years which is it all rocked along nobody's world was upset uh but last year and this year mexico had some problems and so they had pushed all of us out of business, relying so heavily to Mexico that all of a sudden they they didn't have no product. And now they're saying, you know, we have got to do what we got to do to keep our uh, keep people in business over here. So that's good news, and that's what we're trying to do here. This is this is yes, the opportunity. Sir. I think Americans are waking up. They're at home. Yeah, they're this is unprecedented. What's happened, uh, and all of a sudden we see our medical supplies are have been outsourced, and a lot of other things. And we're looking really hard at our food supply. So now's the time to to really try to educate and, and, and not try to tell someone what to do or how to do it, but just say yep. here's the situation, and common sense will prevail. Right. Here's the facts. You decide. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It affects communities. That's the big, it's not yep. just the farm. Yep. Like you said, you're, you're, you're uh, paying a fertilizer bill, you're paying labor, yep. uh, you're supporting your local community. So if, if Immokalee farmers get put out of business, that Immokalee is going to be in trouble Oh yeah, because it's, it, it dependent on farming. And that's, that's the same with communities all across this country. That's right. Uh, so it's not just the farmer that's impacted. It's all the community. We, we were just talking to Russ Goodman in the previous podcast and, and he said the his local bank there, uh, in, in South Georgia, 35% of their, their loan portfolio was just to the blueberry industry right there. And it's the same way when you look at all these different ag communities across the country. So it's, uh, absolutely. And, and more importantly than what you guys do, Wade, it's, it's who you are. It's the character of the nation. And, uh, that's our crusade is we need, I mean, here you are, you're, you're called to do something very difficult, 
uh, it's a calling. I've known you for a long time. It's your passion. It's hard. It's difficult. You're not guaranteed to make money, um, but you do it because you love it. But at the same time, you, you're you're a member of your church. You're a member of your community. You're coaching little league. You're 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 making decisions. You're a voting uh, a per, you're a person that votes and involved in your civics. It's it's the backbone of our country. Right. So we want we want to do our part to keep keep it keep it alive and well. Well, I thank you. Absolutely. That's, this is, um, no, we thank you. Great to get this out there. <laughs> <Yes>, sir. <laughs> now this social media, the, 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 the con- complex web that it, uh, it, it can generate is phenomenal what it can do. And I, I appreciate, appreciate y'all's effort. Well, Wade, thanks so much for joining us on the, the show today. It's, it's been a, a, a common theme, a common narrative for all the farmers we've talked to in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the amount of effort you guys are putting into producing a, a whole, a whole safe food for this country, uh, for our consumers. We, we applaud right. you for that. We thank you for, for your, uh, your efforts. Uh, thanks for joining us on the show today to educate our consumers and, uh, and folks, we, we appreciate you joining this broadcast. Uh, uh, there's so many things you can do to support, uh, not only the, the farmer, but your, your local communities get out and, and shop buy American, uh, visit your local restaurants, uh, your local food service establishments. Talk to your produce manager. Talk to your produce managers. Bring it in the kitchen. <laughs> Make something out of it. Tell your Instacart <laughs> shopper USA. That's right. There's so many things you can do to, to support uh, uh, local businesses, farmers, and in our communities. And and uh, and again, we just want to spread this awareness. So they, uh, Wade, thanks for so much for joining us today. Uh, folks, thanks for listening in and tuning in. Uh, this has uh, been a broadcast of Highland Ag solutions we appreciate you and until next time god bless thank you thank you for joining us today this podcast has been a presentation of has media copyright 2020 all rights reserved be sure to follow us on social media on instagram and facebook at highland ag solutions and catch the video presentation of this podcast on our youtube channel